0: Hey, everyone. This week, we're trying out a slightly different format. Usually, Ashley asks me about wine stuff, or I ask Ashley about ecology stuff. But um, we came across a topic that neither one of us knew a ton about, which was orange wine. We both went home, did some research, came back together, and we're going to talk about it. I'm excited. I'm Haley. This is Ashley. We are Whole Cluster Conversation. So, Ash, what'd you find
1: out? What is orange wine? Actually, that's the first thing I Googled. What is orange wine? What makes orange wine orange was actually literally what I put into Google. (laughs) And I loved that the first thing that came up was it's not actually made from oranges. Apparently, that is a thing that people think. Um, So for my... Um, rabbit hole of Googling and research, I got really excited about um, learning about the history of orange wine and the regions it came from. And so that's a lot of what I talked about, or like, I guess, researched, learned about. And so learning about how it was or what an orange wine is, is that it is leaving skins on white grapes during fermentation. <laughs> so what about you? What what did you in on the whole, like find out about orange wine slash mm-hmm. dig into? <laughs> That's same same
0: kind of thing. I think I uh, I just typed into Google Orange Wine and then I went to some of the places that I know I like researching about wine, like wine folly and um, I read article. those same
1: ones, probably.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of assumed wine folly <laughs> would be on both our lists. Um, and then I read a couple of different articles by um, I forget, uh, Eric Asimov, I believe uh, is his name, the wine writer for New York Times. Oh, um, yeah. The thing that I found funny or a little bit... um frustrating it's not the word because I wasn't frustrated by it but I was like maybe eye rolling a little bit is that so many people said I just don't like that we call it orange wine that's a misnomer and it's like oh, yeah. okay I yeah. get it but we also have red wine and white wine so orange wine is kind of the next like it makes sense that that's where the person who started using that term which i guess is uh i didn't write it down, but a guy in Britain, I think, was like, yes. yes, orange wines. We'll just go with that. And it stuck because it makes, like, it's a good transition. Like, it makes sense.
1: I like that in Italy, and it seems like the region of the world that this is from. I don't know. Again, please excuse all of my mispronunciations. I do not speak Italian, Slovenian, or Georgian? Georgian, <laughs> which a lot of these words come from, and there's lots of consonants next to each other. <laughs> but um, I like that in Italy, it's known as Romato or yeah, Auburn. Yeah, I wrote that down too. Yeah, and I like that – I think it's interesting that once it went to English, it was orange, but it seems like the rest of the world really does call it Auburn. Like, even Spanish-speaking, like, just – or All it, over, it's auburn and mm-hmm. not orange, which yeah. is a better actual description, I think, of it.
0: Oh, Ukiah okay, just uh, found, the guy that popularized the name orange wine is David A. Henry, or sorry, Harvey. David Harvey, and he came up with it or started really using it in 2004. Like, that's not that long ago, but yeah, this wine has been being made since...
1: For 8,000 like, years, 6,000 yeah. B.C.,
0: that's what i found anywhere from 5000 to 6000 bc too in um what is modern day georgia in the caucasus mountains yes.
1: so what my um oh that's a whole fun entom- or etymology the study yeah. of words not the study of bugs sorry about that one <laughs> <laughs> um but i was definitely thinking okay I have been to Northeast Italy and Slovenia, which I was like, I wish I would have realized how that, I mean, I think we had some orange wines when I was there or Auburn wines, (laughs) Romato, but um, I wish I would have known that when I was there. And then I was thinking, so when are we going to Georgia now? Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I was like. I want to go to some of these caves and see these Kevri, the giant uh, stone or I guess they're earthenware pots that are like in the they temperature control them by sinking them in the ground so that okay, they stay let, at so a constant temperature.
1: Yeah so let's, ta- let's take a step back and for the, the listener if they don't know. Yes. At least what I found out was so again this is some of the first winemaking um, and it was saying the oldest grape variety the Georgian I have no clue how to say this word. R-K-A-T-S-I-T-E-L-I. Catsitli? Yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. But the oral, oldest grape varieties. And oh. then, as Haley was saying, um, in Georgia, they use, they bury these essentially kind of like clay pots. Um, what were they called? Kevri. Is that how we're pronouncing it?
0: That's the pronunciation I found.
1: Okay. Which are, I I, I saw somewhere that they are described as yearns. So they're sometimes, urns. 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 <laughs> <laughs> urns. Um, <laughs> they're yearning <laughs>
0: to be full of wine.
1: <laughs> um, so I, that, yeah. And now they're usually made of, I don't know how to say any of these words. I am for.
0: Empora. Cement
1: or stainless steel tanks are used now, but they used to use these clay pots and bury them in the ground. And then that was kind of used to help temperature control it, um, like a cave cellar we do now. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of the old way. Did you find so in, some more? Yeah.
0: In my research of this, what I decided... And this is not something that I saw written down. So I'm sure somebody is going to tell me, no, they are wrong. Uh, but w- a couple thousand years ago, depending on where you're looking, um, you know, 8,000 years ago, they didn't have like a an easy way to necessarily press the juice away from the skins. So okay. the easier way to do it would to be just like mash everything up. Like, Oh, that makes sense. Like I love Lucy style, like feet just mush, 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 mush and get everything all mushy and then you can try to take the solid stuff out but you're obviously going to be left with a lot of solid stuff in the juice so that's basically like red wine making right there so if you're doing the same thing with white wine
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then y- you don't have cheesecloth or whatever modern day accoutrements we now use to get all the solids away from the liquid yeah, then it makes... Like, in my mind, I was like, this is, of course, this is what they were doing. Yeah, and that makes sense. And this sense. is what, ha- like, until we got modern implements, that's how they were making white wine. It was just with the skins and seeds, or mm-hmm. a lot of skins and seeds.
1: Yeah, um, I was just thinking as you were talking about, like, what you would use as a strainer. And it's like, would you make, like, I'm thinking of a woven grass basket or, yeah. like, some sort of, like, cloth-like material that but it's going back 6,000 BC. Like, yeah, yeah it's going to be <laughs> a little different. So uh-huh. I thought that was really cool. And it's cool that people now use the terracotta and keep that tradition going. And yeah,
0: there's a huge resurgence in that. Like there's actually a company in Oregon that... Oh, really? Uh, you, Kyle, kind of like this too, because you're pottery master. Like their entire pottery business is making clay amphora for wine producers really yeah uh i've come across it once or twice i don't know the name of it but i will uh
1: try to find it
0: so that we can give them proper kudos
1: interesting so one of the things i saw too was that it's a cistern shaped clay vessel or a again q v e r v r i i'm sorry for i just have no clue how to say these words um Kevry, just get
0: get rid of the first V, Kevry.
1: Okay, Kevry. I also just don't know how to read English. I know that I'm a first (laughs) English language learner, but like sometimes I don't understand how letters make sounds. Um, (laughs) But... What I thought it was interesting is one thing I was reading said that they lined it with molten beeswax and then yeah. they buried it into the ground. So my question to you, Haley, and maybe you don't have a clue, the answer, but you're a winemaker, so you're you're going to have a better guess than me. What's up with the molten beeswax and what, why, where? I do
0: know this answer. <laughs>
1: yes. You're looking, <laughs> making me look so good, Ash. <laughs>
0: um, so back in the day or even modern day um the amphora sometimes they're not 100% like liquid tight uh, so it's okay uh. to have some of the liquid soak into the clay but obviously you want to keep most of it inside the vessel so um whether it's cracks uh, that are just kind of sealed in Mm-hmm. Or you're like, oh, it's not, for some reason, this whole batch of clay didn't quite fire correctly. And so we're getting a lot of seeping that's coming through yeah. and we want to keep our wine inside. Um, so yeah, that would be one of the reasons to line it with beeswax. I've also heard of similar treatments in concrete tanks. Um, okay. I haven't used any concrete in my winemaking, so I'm not 100% on that. But I've heard that oh. that is one of the things that is uh, done.
1: I just had an aha moment. I remember right now that when we were doing a tour of one of the winemakers in Northeast Italy, which I'm now like blanking on. I think I remember which one, but I'm not going to say because I'm not 100, but they totally had concrete tanks. Uh And I was like, this is crazy. But (laughs) this is probably because, again, this is the region of the world that it comes from is the Alte Adige. Udenine, whatever however Friuli, you say that. yeah Friuli venezia julia
0: <laughs> what i think that's the one that Friuli. Friuli venezia
1: uh-huh yeah so it's like the northeast corner it's that it's where the dolmanites are and that beautiful limestone soil that produces <laughs> such a wonderful tasting wine cotton candy without the sweetness <laughs> exactly <laughs> um that will probably come up later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I thought was interesting in um do you think that well so they talked about how they would seal those vessels and then use them for like sometimes it would be years before they would open them up and drink them. I
1: saw 50 years. Oh, dang. I didn't see that much. That's it said I read something that said sometimes bury for 50 years. And I put a giant question mark and explanation point of like what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess in my mind, back in the day, there was like food scarcity was a real thing 8000 <laughs> years ago. So, yeah, burying a bunch of stuff and hoping that it would keep good makes sense.
1: I don't know if people still do it for 50 years. That seems way too long. Yeah, that seems pretty intense.
0: That was another slightly, not again, not frustrating, but like, yeah, okay. I can kind of understand why people don't like that it's called orange wine. It's every like anybody that keeps their skins in their white fermentations for a couple hours to Mm -hmm. a couple years, it's called orange wine. It seems like there's got to be like a breaking point somewhere in there.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah. Even
1: just a couple hours? I didn't run across that, but that's, yeah.
0: Yeah, I would say it needs to be for at least a couple days or or maybe fermented on the skins rather. I don't know. I don't know.
1: Well, and I thought on top of that, something that I was reading is it's not just the skins. It's like the seeds. It's like the whole thing. Yeah.
0: Somewhere so- that I read um, also that a lot of the orange color probably comes from the actual lignin in the seeds rather oh. than the skins of the grapes. Because in theory, white grape skins don't have any pigmentation in them. That's why they're white. Oh, okay. So the color actually comes from oxidation and the lignin in the yeah. seeds.
1: Yeah. I I was actually reading that's kind of gets to another point. Um, A lot about this oxidation process, which is the process that converts ethanol to hide, Haley, help me. Oh, acetylalhyde. Acetylhyde. I can't even say this word. (laughs) Which is so bad because I was like reading this part and having flashbacks from my Ochem days. Um, (laughs) And like little chains and Mm -hmm. rings and... Aldehydes
0: are a whole subsection of something. I don't know.
1: So it's more likely to go under this undergo this process than any other wines and then uh, what I was reading was saying that this oxidation process is what produces that sour nutty yeasty flavor and aromas in the orange wines. So yeah is oxidation like that still happens in other wines, correct? Correct.
0: But, but- most white wines, it's a lot less uh, because, you put everything into tanks or into barrels and you try to keep it from seeing as much oxygen. Okay. Okay. Um, There's even certain processes now where they basically ferment with the yeast obviously needs some oxygen, but like they try to ferment with as little oxygen on that fruit as possible. And then they don't age. You have to drink those wines as soon as they're bottled. (laughs) Okay. Um, They're not stable.
1: Do you think that that's a process of the terracotta pots as well and how they're breathing? Probably. Before?
0: I don't know how how sealed they are because of the beeswax. So that that would be, but oh, I would yeah. assume if they're being aged for 50 years there's got to be some sort of oxidation that happens.
1: Well, even beeswax has some level of breathability to it, I think. I don't know.
0: Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Having not worked with it, I don't know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that kind of within all that oxidation and making that I found out was really cool about it, and I think this really plays into your um, vineyard, Haley, is that <laughs> they're typically biodynamic. And also a couple things that I was reading were saying that a lot of, especially looking at like the Georgian wines and the original like orange wines were that um, one, that there's more than 500 unique Um, varieties in Georgia with like about 45 commercially grown and that like I said they're typically biodynamic and they're family-run vineyards so it's like this small like fun way so I thought that was cool
0: yeah definitely that's um I think one of the reasons that a lot of these are considered biodynamic and other uh is the style of winemaking that produces orange wines a lot of the winemakers are mm-hmm. very much interested in low impact like the the least intervention possible in making wine so if that means instead of pressing they can just kind of mush up the grapes and let them spontaneously ferment great
1: yeah um, and I saw that like wine folly direct quote from then often orange wines are so intense that you might want to make that make sure you're sitting (laughs) down when you first taste them and I think that comes from that winemaking process and that driven by the good product the varieties and that just letting them do their own thing without adding much to them if anything
0: definitely and they're very different like if you're expecting a white wine it's so different so yeah that's like where a lot of the might want to be sitting down because it's not going to be what you're expecting. You <laughs> it's think, not a rosé wine either.
1: <laughs> do you think you're more likely to get cat piss wine, cat piss flavor, uh, smell wine? I don't think so. Okay, but I'm not sure. I don't know
0: exactly <laughs> why, like what compound that is and how it's created. I know it's common in Sauvignon Blanc, so okay. Okay. I would have to look into how that is developed.
1: I, that's just like to me intense wine flavor. Yeah. So I instantly was like, "Oh, is that where I'm getting this?" Right. No, I think um, the descriptions
0: were good. A lot less fresh fruity flavors. A lot more like, um, uh,
1: nutty, salty. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um. A lot of yeah, very complex like like, uh, bread, bready. Mm. Flavors, not bread, bread like sourdough and well, because the like that. yeast,
1: the yeastiness
0: of and it. the oxidation that happens brings out some of those flavors. More of like, I don't even want to use that descriptor because it's going to confuse people. Orange rind, not because it's made with oranges, just because that's one of the flavors you get, like a rind type oh, of, yeah. um, almost bitterness. Um,
1: yeah, we'll say a lime rind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: So in your research, did you come across any that any wines that you were like, I'm going to buy that and try it or any like uh, thing that you're totally drawn to like that?
1: Um, Well, I think because I definitely went into the rabbit hole of kind of the regions and the type and kind of the funkiness of it. I didn't get into like I saw a couple things that had recommendations, but they were all. Georgian to me (laughs) (laughs) um but there was I I like the different types um they talked about the different varietals of wine grapes typically being pinot gris um and then ribola growella oh my gosh I'm so sorry (laughs) growella ribola jala maybe that's how you say it and then like I said, this Georgian lots of continents in it, rakascally, which is Arkatsateli. Arkatsateli. Ca- I like that. Um sorry again for all the probably well most. We'd love this. to hear any suggestions you guys have on these pronunciations. We're yeah. all ears. So for me, not particularly, oh, I want to um like this particular brand person that made it but I think some of those varietals I'm really interested in and I know that I have had a Georgian wine before and kind of been like whoa okay and now I'm like oh I want to try more Georgian wines like this is fun so I think that's (laughs) kind of where I went what about you Haley did you find anything that you're intrigued by
0: um, yeah, there were a couple that I thought, oh, that sounds really interesting. But um, they're, obviously, it's hard to get a lot of foreign wines here. Um, mm-hmm. I did find a particular retailer that focuses on organic and low um, uh, intervention winemaking. I think it was called like the Natural Wine Club. Oh. And they have a whole subsection of just orange wines. So I thought, oh, well, that would be an interesting place to go and get a couple there's somebody yeah. here locally that makes orange wine jed at split rail and mm-hmm. um, I've had that before it's a very like yeah it's a fun totally different experience to have wine wise yeah um yeah there's just I mean I feel like once you kind of start looking and you know what an orange wine is you st- start to yeah. see them more and more
1: <laughs> yeah I know a couple of different wine shops in Portland um wine tasting places collectives of sorts will have you know a little section usually of a few orange wines and I have a really good friend that actually texted her because in my google searches I have heard her say my favorite wine is a salty orange wine and so I was like (laughs) I definitely googled what makes an orange wine salty? And then I found nothing. (laughs) And I was like, is this even a good way to describe wine? So I checked with her and she's like, maybe it's more minerally, which makes sense to me when reading all of this. I think you texted me that or maybe uh, Slack channeled it, but I didn't respond, sorry. (laughs) No, I just asked, is salty a bad way to describe wine? I don't think it's a bad way to describe wine, but I think it's pretty like...
0: I don't, yeah, I think minerally might be a better way because I don't think there's actually salt salt in it. So mm-hmm. it's it's a perception of something being, yeah, like a combination of like a drying factor, so a tannin and
1: probably um, like a like grimy, a grimy. I don't know. That's probably not what you yeah, want to say either, but I'm just thinking <laughs> of that like taste of, uh, yeah, I don't know, minerally. So, yeah.
0: The other thing that I found in this little bit of research that I'm really interested in is um, some Slovenian wine. Uh, They said there's uh, another odd wine here too called Motnik and it's made in a natural method, which I think is what a lot of people would say orange wine is made in in barrels that are disinfected by smoking herbs like rosemary, bay leaves, and sage. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that one is definitely like, I'm like, Google Motnik, find out where I can buy it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, I, I visited Slovenia and, like, I want to go back there. The wines that I had, again, I kind of went in there just, like, saying, oh, this place looks pretty and it's <laughs> on the Julian Alps. And I didn't realize the wine stuff. But when we were there, we ran into a couple of different uh, wineries and I wish I knew their names and I don't remember. Um But I just remember being so impressed. But also, again, back to that, like, I mean, and maybe it's just where I went, but Slovenia had this much feel of like small family run, like this is our craft. I felt like all the food and wine I drank was just like from love and from the forest and very like (laughs) just, I don't know. Of the earth, I guess. (laughs) Salty. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) So I'm not shocked to hear that about Slovenia.
0: No, I'm excited to have more of their wines and
1: try some more orange wines. Yeah. I don't know. Is there anything else? That's kind of mostly what I found, Haley. Me too. I think that my takeaway is
0: maybe it's not the most perfect name, but I think it encompasses what? The, the wines are and it fits well into the paradigm of naming wines by color red white rosé orange
1: or it auburn. bother me
0: yeah or auburn <laughs> maybe we'll start a trend auburn wines
1: yeah yeah and again I just love to I think diving into it and learning how they're made makes it so much more exciting
0: I'm excited to toast some orange wines with you
1: yeah and the to go to Georgia together. let's yeah. go to Georgia and uh <laughs> I don't even know. I'm looking at a map. There's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight wine regions. <laughs> if you have a favorite orange wine you think we need to try, let us know.
0: We'll do our best to get our hands on some. Thanks for listening, everybody. Next week, I'm going to be talking to Ashley about what she does as an ecologist. and Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> <laughs> um, her really cool job where she gets to meet people and help them build plans to build local ecology. So if you have questions about how to do that in our own niches, please write in at wholeclusterconversation at gmail.com. Thanks. Toodaloo.
1: Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation.
0: Music provided by Michael Johnson of Grand Falconer.
1: Audio production provided by our friend Ukiah Bogle.
0: Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen.
1: Ciao.